your Property Network magazine, the UK's leading magazine for active property investors, presents your property podcast, giving you access to some of the UK's most successful and influential property investors and developers. They will share with you their successes, failures, strategies and tips. So whether you're an experienced property investor or just starting out, Join us every week to help you plan your path to financial freedom. So let's get started with your host, Nina Hirons. Hello and welcome to another edition of Your Property Podcast with me, your host, Nina Hirons. Okay, so last month in Money Week, I read with the UK running at a £1.3 trillion deficit on private pension funding, anyone under 35 faces three facts. One, you'll have to fund your own retirement from savings. Two, you'll have to work longer than your parents. And three, you may never retire. Now, if that's not good enough reason for younger folks to consider investing in property, then I really don't know what is. Property is one of the top four most common types of investment, is, as I've said time and time again for everyone, young, old, cash rich, cash poor. And today I am joined by someone who is an absolute expert in investing money for a fast, safe and regular return. So I want to pick his brains and find out a little bit more as to how you could get involved with some of the company's renovations projects whilst receiving a fixed return on your capital. So it is my pleasure to welcome Ken Sunter from Panacea Property Scotland to the show. Ken, hello and thanks for joining me today. Oh, what an introduction. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, let's get started. Um, from, you know, with everyone I talk to, I really like to start from the very beginning. Um, so I'd love to find out a little bit more about you, kind of where you got started how you got into property and kind of where the property bug came from? Um, my background is banking, financial, trading background. So all very boring, I'm afraid. Um, but yeah, while I was working with various uh, banking and financial companies, I was you know, putting a reasonable amount of money away each month. Uh, and as you mentioned at the top there regarding pensions, I started to buy properties with a view of building up a portfolio. So rather than going out and lavishly spending my money, I was quite boringly putting it away and buying a property every two or three months and basically built up a, a sort of medium portfolio from that point, which was the end game of being a bit of a pension plan in, in addition to what I had from the companies. Okay, so um, kind, of, kind of once there was no looking back and you kind of made that decision to jump and go full time into property, kind of where did you start and what was the strategy you adopted? Um, well, I was very lucky. Um, the, a company I was working with was taken over and we were given a very large, uh, decent severance package. So that really kind of uh, made my mind up for me. I was always interested in property and obviously with a bit of uh, cash behind you, that certainly helps to sort of make the break and go for it full time. So again, I started, again, small, you know, I, I, I went to auctions, I bought um, fairly cheap properties in our market up here, 30, 40,000 pound properties. Um, you know, renovated them within a, a small budget and resold them on the market. And really, that's that's where it started from. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, sort of grew from that point onwards. Okay, so you obviously sort of started on, on buy to let and then you obviously moved into yeah. buy to sell. Okay, so kind of when you sort of, you know, made, made that transition, how did your approach change to sourcing properties, if at all? Um, it did change. It's a good, good question. It did change because obviously with a, a buy to sell, you need to make a realize a fairly swift gain on it. I mean, we with some of the buy to let choices I made, I looked at the sort of longer game, possibly areas that were uh, a longer sort of potential growth. Um, it may be areas like today, like the borders in Scotland that's now got rail links. They'll, they will gradually 
gain momentum. But in the, the buy to sell, you've got to turn it around and you've got to make realize a profit really within six, seven months. So you are looking at something that you can add value to quickly and will sell fairly quickly. Yeah, of course. Obviously, you know, that, that's a kind of a really brief introduction of kind of where you've started, kind of where you are. Yeah. But I really want to talk about more about your company, Panacea. Um, yeah. I know it's obviously a private development company, but, you know, when was it set up and why did you set it up? Um, I, I'd set my own company up previously and my business partner, Paul Trainer, um, had done similarly. He was in, he built up a portfolio and, and together we met five or six years ago. Uh, with a kind of common interest to really develop or push on with the development side, um, sort of buy to resale business. So it's about five five years plus um, together, um, sort of combining. Paul has a great flair uh, for you know the development side, the artistic side, which I don't possess at all. Um, I'm more sort of numbers, logistics, um, property acquisition. So between us, we kind of got a, a, a heads together and, and played to both of our strengths. So, yeah, five years on, we're, we're tackling some big developments now and doing really well. Fab. I know you're based in Scotland, or more, more specifically, you're based in Glasgow. So yes. do does your business focus specifically kind of on that area or do you kind of span nationwide and kind of w- w- why do you do either? Um, yeah, we are based in Glasgow, down at Glasgow uh, Harbour. Um, we stick to where we know. I mean, we stick to really the central belt. So you're talking Edinburgh, across the west to Glasgow, up to Stirling. Um, and it's really because of uh, our, our knowledge of the area. We've been here for 25 years plus. So we know the good areas, the bad areas. Um, logistically, our teams are all based here as far as the renovation is concerned. Um, but also our property acquisition contacts are all based here. So we have a, a great supply of properties and contact um, people here. So we really stick to the areas we know. If we moved out of territory down south, um, if I moved to your area, I wouldn't really know what were the better areas within that. Uh, so it's just really to do with the, the local knowledge um, and the logistics of actually having the team here. And and the bottom line is it's a good market. You know, if the market wasn't particularly good well, where we were based, we would probably look further afield. But um, yeah, we seem to have everything in place here that, that makes it successful. Okay, so is there somebody typically that invests with you? You know, as a private company, you know, how how do you manage these relationships with these clients and how important are these relationships kind of in the success of your business? Um, They're very important. They don't don't, um, constitute a large part of our business, but we do enjoy having a small client base that we do work with. Um, And we've been working with people, I've been working personally with some people for over 10 years. Um, Now, they may be... Um, you know, serious professional investors, for want of a better phrase, who look for various um, options to place company money or private money. But they're also made up of um, people with savings who latterly have been getting, you know, a sort of sparse return on their money from the banks and building societies, um, obviously with disinterest rates dropping. Um, So they're looking for somewhere to place it safely um, in an ethical company that, you know, they can get a decent return. And that's why we we offer the 12% return it's attractive to, to the savers as well as the investors. You know, let, let's sort of talk about these projects. I mean, obviously they are incredibly capital intensive. So how do you finance and structure these projects kind of to the benefit of both parties and make sure investors are getting their money? Uh, they are. I mean, you're right, they do. They can sap uh, capital very quickly, whether it's initial requirements on deposits and, and more so recently on increased stamp duty. Um, you know, there's a lot of money spent before you've actually got the keys to a property. But also, um, if you're doing a reasonable development um, size, then it is going to it is going to take money. 
Where we um, are very lucky, and again, it's relationships built up over 10 or 15 years with some commercial lenders. They have uh, put together a bespoke product for myself and the company, uh, whereby they lend a very high loan to value against the actual purchase. Um, much more than the sort of the mainstream 75% where we are, we're up at 85% of the actual purchase price. You can see quite a chunk of the, the deposit money is reduced uh, just by requiring a 15% deposit. But um, the, the secondary to that, they also um, fund us up to 85% of the development cost, which is unique in the UK. Um, and again, has just been borne out of a track record with this company for over 10 years. So that is our our ace card really is the fact that we can keep um, what capital we have and um, moving across a, a large number of projects because our requirements to put money into the projects is uh, is very limited now with the, the facility that we have. Wow. Okay. So, uh, what is the contract time frame for the loans of your for your clients then? Uh, typically, we do um, twelve months, which we think is um, it gives us enough time to recycle the funds through uh, the project and have a comfortable amount of time to pay everybody out, uh, more than enough. It also is short enough that um, you know, there are no market swings or trends are going to affect a 12-month contract. Um, we have done, uh, typically we do 12 months with our existing clients, but again, they've have, they have the advantage of being with us for over 10 years. If a new client does come in, we've recently started um, a six-month contract, and it's more a, a case of a walkthrough for a new client who probably doesn't know us. Um, it just allows them to go into a short uh, term, have a look around, get involved, do the paperwork, get paid out, and go around, understand the process now they've walked it through, and then they'll maybe commit to a 12-month after that. So we've done a, a, you know, a limited number of kind of starter contracts for clients, and, and that's exactly what the base, you know, that's set up to do is just to give them a walk through to the whole process and understand it better. And kind of, do you have a set margin that you are aiming for then? Um, with our private, um, as long as we make a profit, really, I think is the. <laughs> um, I mean, typically the yeah you know, the, the profit margin is around about forty percent pre-tax. I mean, I think that as a net profit. Um, because we're tackling larger developments um, such as hotel conversions to apartments or nursing homes to apartments, the, the markup is, you know, is, is generous on these. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as due diligence is concerned at the beginning, I think our figures are worked on a, a, a net of 40% there and thereabouts um, to go sort of through to the next stage and be considered as a, a proposal. Okay. I've also kind of had a quick look at some of your properties and, you know, the, the standard of conversion is exceptional. You know, they're incredibly high spec. Um, so how do you select properties and what is your approach to the refurbishments? Um, yeah, we do go, we are renowned for being high spec in the market. Um, you know, estate agents, people will look on um, Rightmove or S1 Homes, they will spot a property and often will know it's one of ours before they've even asked if it's one of ours. I mean, it's the, we do aim for the high, uh, the high spec. Um, again, because we target specific areas, again, with our local knowledge, we know which areas we want to target, but we also know what that market will demand as far as a, a quality of um, finish um, and a quality of spec and, and the resale product. Um, so anything lower than that is going to hamper your chance of sale. Um, again, you know, because we're doing so many projects, um, cost-wise, yes, it is high spec, but it is it's economical for us to do because we'll get a higher end valuation and ultimately get a higher sale price. Yeah, I think you've probably already answered this question, but you know, have you ever considered lowering your spec with the potential to increase your profit margins? Um, um 
We we have been asked that, and it is you know it's a it's a good question. But the thing is, I, I tend to view it as false economy. If you're lowering your spec, it's gonna it's gonna reduce your resale market. And I think it will. You know, the, the clients now the, the the buyers are a discerning bunch. I mean, they, they want to go in and see a good standard of finish, a good standard of bathroom, a good standard of kitchen. Um, you know, the, the items in the kitchen need to be branded. And, and, you know, if you cut any corners or even one or two corners, it begins to sort of proceed a doubt as to, well, what's the quality of the rest of the place like? The stuff you can't see, the electrics, the plumbing, etc. So, so no, we do keep the spec high. And what it does allow us is to get the, um, when the surveyors come out to do our home report in Scotland, is obviously that, that allows them to value it, um, you know, at the top end of the market, really. Um, and then, you know, a client will will pay a good price for a, a good product. It's like any product, whether it's properties or cars. You know, if you if it's if it's good quality, people will pay the premium for it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I hundred percent agree. And uh, you know, like I said, I've had a look at your properties, and they they are exceptional. So um, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, I hundred percent agree with you. Um, you know, you just you just mentioned kind of the end values of the properties there. So how do you go about your due diligence on the end values of your properties? Um, well, there's two or three things that we look at as far as valuation. We work with um, seven or eight very established estate agents that we trust. Um, with a lot of our sales and, and we've got a, a long track record with them. So if we ask them to appraise a property for potential resale, maybe something we're looking to buy, so well, if we do this apartment to the standard that they know we, we do them to, they, they will give us a fairly accurate resale value. Uh, and that's based on um, what they think they will get on the market, not a figure that they will probably give to us to try and get our business on board. So we know it's an accurate um, sort of resale figure or range of resale figures they might accept. We also have a national account with DM Hall, um, surveyors, chartered surveyors, who will go out and again they are very familiar with our standard of finish. Um, so they will give us a current value of the property we're proposing to buy, but also the end value if done to our usual, you know, our usual standard is a, is a um, remit on that. So again, we know fairly, and, and again, couple that with our our own knowledge um, of, of the areas. Those three factors will give us a fairly accurate resale figure that um, we can work on. And obviously from that point, I mean, the resale figure is the figure we start with and we work back from that because we, let's not kid ourselves on about some resale figures. If it's going to get £250,000, that's its ceiling. From Back from that, we can deduct costs and associated costs and we then start to look at the purchase price from that. So we do work back to front, um, but uh, yeah, that, that's the way that works. We work from the resale value backwards. Cool. Okay. So um, when I talk to lots of people, you know, people who are really interested in property, everybody's excuse is time or lack of. So I'm always yes. really interested in terms of people's time management. Um, mm -hmm. There's kind of there's two areas I'd like to talk to you here. Um, you've obviously got a number of projects on the go. So I'm really interested in kind of how you manage these and kind of how you, you know, how you make sure everything's kind of working, you're not taking your eye off the board. And then of course, your personal time management. Yeah. Um, because another thing, you know, a lot of people get into property because they perhaps want you know, a bit more free time. So again, kind of, have you have you achieved that? Was, was that your goal, if that makes uh, any yeah. sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a very late dad. I had my two children in my late 40s. I've got a three-and-a-half-year-old and a 10-month-old. And, uh, and uh, to be honest, organising the two of them to go on an overseas holiday is, is, is a breeze compared to managing all the sites. So it's um, it gives me good practice. But you do want to be, you know, I, I was always conscious of wanting to be part, you know, getting the family and work-life balance correct. And we've managed to do that. And that, that's really by more accountability, more bodies uh, in the process. So each, each individual site will have an accountable site manager uh, full time on that site. 
um, on a daily basis, he will be reporting back to probably back to Paul, who will then collate all the sites and back to me. So it's again, it's a line, a chain of sort of management throughout the spine of the company that's accountable at every stage. They know the specification, they know the timescales to adhere to, they, need, they know the, the, the management and logistics of the, um, the trades guys to work to. So I, again, I, at the beginning, I was guilty 10 years ago of trying to run around and do everything myself, you know, not delegating anything or bringing anybody in to do it. Um, in the last five years, we have various line managers and uh, project managers that, that make life so much easier. It allows us to bring everything in on time. We'll have a weekly meeting with all the managers, a daily chat with all the site managers. Um, and that does give you the balance to allow you to go away for a weekend or you know get home at night and enjoy time with the family. So it's, it's a fine balance, but you're right. Too many people, as I was guilty of, want to do it all themselves. And it, 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 you're just a busy fool when it, when it comes to that. <laughs> of course. Um, if someone's listening and they're thinking, God, this all sounds great, you know, and they'd love to get involved. Um, what, you know, how, how can they get involved with the company and kind of what kind of projects are in the pipeline? Um, you know, are, are you taking on new clients? Yeah, very much so. We're always keen to have um, new, new people involved because we do like to form sort of long-standing relationships. As I say, the, the clients we have at the moment, um, you know, many of them have been with us for a, a decade plus now, which is nice. I mean, if, you know, we, we've, we've dealt with them for a long, long time. We brought in some more people uh, fairly recently, but um, yeah, we're looking to bring in, again, it's limited because it is a smaller part of our business, but and we want to be able to manage people's money effectively and make sure the returns are paid on time as we've done for, for 10 years. So keeping it fairly small and, and intimate, I also want the communication to be good. So if a client wants to ring me up, they can get me every time, I can ring them back. You know, and it's I like to keep a kind of club feel, but still, it's still an investment. So yes, we're certainly taking um, a limited number of new clients on if people want to get involved. We have projects um, starting in the final quarter of the year. Um, usually, we, we set aside one project a month for um, clients coming in on top of our own workload. So there'll be there's certainly an October one planned, a November one, and weather permitting in this beautiful country, there might be a December one. So, um, but we'll see we'll see what the storms are like on that one. To be <laughs> no honest, but, uh, yeah, but certainly certainly it would be nice to to welcome some new people in. Cool. Okay. And, you know, I mean, I've just mentioned, obviously, time management people use as an excuse. Another reason is people are obviously, you know, quite often say to me, you know, they've got no money. So kind of, is there a minimum investment for somebody looking to get involved? Yeah, we do. We set a minimum investment at £20,000. Um, and the reason being that is enough to get into one of the smaller projects um, rather than, um, again, that's just under advice from our uh, legal teams and our compliance teams. We don't want to take in too many smaller amounts because administration-wise, it's quite, you know, it's quite difficult to do. But also, we don't want to be seen to be pooling money. So we have to allocate clients to specific projects. So it's been set at 20000 um, which brings in, you know, the savers as well as the investors. And, uh, you know, it seems to work well as a starting entry point so far. You know, obviously, I just, you know, I just mentioned you're based in Scotland. So are your investors primarily local or are there opportunities for kind of anyone to get involved? To be honest, most of our clients are based um, in England, Wales and a couple dotted uh, overseas. I think we have a handful of locals. Um, but uh, no, it doesn't. I mean, because, because it's a kind of a totally hands free uh, operation, apart from as uh, if clients want to come and visit sites and do a bit of, you know, use some of our places is we have holiday lets in the business some people use those free of charge and get involved a little bit that way apart from that a lot of the investors is hands-free so 
geographically, it doesn't matter where they're based. But uh, yeah, most of our clients are based down south, um, and, and, and only a small handful are, are based in Scotland. Okay. Just I, you know, often I talk to people and we talk about kind of education, we talk about books. Is is yeah. there something that you could say, you know, do you know what, this has been really inspirational. I've read this book, it gave me that kind of drive or, you know, have you done of the, of the property education programs? I think, um, again, I, I've been to quite, I, I did attend course after course after course. I think, I think the, the main thing with that is at one point is to take a leap of faith. I mean, I've met, as I'm sure you have, numerous people that just habitually do the circuit of, um, you know, and, and relieve themselves of, of money every time they do uh, maybe one of these seminars. I think they just need to take the uh, take the plunge. What we do um, as part of, of the, the club as such of people joining us with it, we also do a kind of mentoring, uh, unofficial mentoring service. So often people, when they get involved just financially, think, oh, I like, quite like to try that physically and do my, my own renovations. So it's quite, I remember back when I first did, it's quite a scary leap of faith to do if you haven't got anybody sort of holding your hand. So we, uh, or I personally, am quite happy to do, um, you know, answer the questions, help out if somebody wanted to go and get started themselves. So, because I know the sort of pitfalls and the do's and don'ts, and you always wonder who's telling you the right thing, you know, the right information. So I think um, from our knowledge that we've built up, um, yeah, that's a thing that some clients have got involved with. And they've done it very successfully. A, a chap down in Blackpool's done it, um, a couple down in London. Um, and we almost kind of act as a hotline, you know, we ring up and say, what, what do I do now? You know, so happy to do that kind of side if uh, some people actually wanted to get involved and, and do it themselves. As always, this is why I love chatting to people. You know, I love the fact that, you know, you're offering this help. And th- this is the thing about property, isn't it? Everybody helps everybody. And I, and I love yeah. that. So. I think so. And I think the market, the property market, uh, as with the investing market, I've worked in both sides, unfortunately does get slurried with a lot of uh, less scrupulous people. And I think it's it's nice to give back a bit. We've done very well out of both sides. And um, I, I do I do remember what it was like trying to trying to start a standing in an auction house trying to buy my first property. I hadn't a clue what I was doing half the time. So if I had somebody, you know, 15, 20 years ago helping with that, it would have been, it would have accelerated what I'm doing so much quicker. So it's only fair to put a put a bit of a bit back in if we if we've done well at it. Amazing. Um, I do I do feel this has been a really really whistle stop tour. But the last All thing right. I really want to ask you is kind of if somebody wants to get in touch, what's the best way to do that? Um, well, we've got a website, and the website's www.panaceaproperty.co.uk. Um, and on that, there's sort of free phone numbers. Um, the email address um, I believe is on there, which is kensunter@panaceaproperty.co.uk. Um, and also a mobile number is always firmly attached to the side of my head, which is 077-487-63236. Fab. Ken, thank you so much. I'll put all that information in the information section um, as part of this podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time to join me. You are fabulous, and I'm, I'm sure we'll chat again soon, and perhaps we can chat about one of your projects in a bit more detail. Sounds good to me. Pleasure to speak to you. And you. Thank you. bye Thanks for listening to Your Property Podcast. If you're looking to further your knowledge in property, why not download our free beginner's guide to property investing at www.yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash begin. It contains everything from how to choose the property strategy that's right for you through to how to raise funds when starting with none and how to eliminate risk and maximize profits. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes 
and never miss an episode by subscribing to our weekly podcast. Until next week.